We're going to go and take a, as professionals, hey, come on in. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, um, we have uh, in studio with us from Rick Bronson's House of Comedy, Ian Bag. You're listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. You know, we play a lot of uh, we play a lot of Howlin' Wolf on this uh, on this show. Sometimes the same show twice in the same hour. I like Howlin' Wolf. That without Howlin' Wolf, there'd be no rock and roll. But we play a lot of Howl. If you like Howlin' Wolf, you may not like the show or anything I have to say or anything at all. But if you like Howlin' Wolf, this is where you want to tune in. So you're listening to this American podcast, Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com, and we are uh, we are happy and excited to have in studio with us Ian Bag. Good morning, Ian. Hello. Everything good. Yeah, I'm a big Howling Wolf fan, so uh, yeah? that's why I listen to the show. You know, his uh, guitarist, I don't know how deep in the paint you are with Howling. I'm not very. Okay. Uh, Hubert Summerlin kind of created a lot of the riffs mm-hmm. that were later on used uh, by so many of the great uh, rock stars. Do you watch the, the show Vinyl? I do watch the show Vinyl. Do you enjoy it? I enjoy it. It's not It's not like a, a must-see TV for me mm-hmm. because it's not like It's not like a, a Game of Thrones and, you know, and current shows are... Uh, That's funny because it is, it is must-see for me. Uh, my manager used to own a record label, so... Yeah. And he, at that time, so it's very interesting because he can actually pinpoint things that are real in some of that. I, uh, uh, I like the show. I love the show. Just one of the things is I, I like Bobby Carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that he... Um, when I heard that he was going to be the star of the show, I thought he is great as a guest, as a B character, you know, like he was on Boardwalk Empire. Uh-huh. But I didn't see him carrying a show. And I didn't see him... No, with record uh, producers I've known and record and uh, uh, label owners and stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because of, of who I knew, uh, he didn't quite fit the bill. Right. So, but still... And also, I may have had... Uh, uh, Larger than life expectations because too good looking, too tall. Yeah, as far as probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just not, not. He didn't quite have the um, the uh, smarmy vibe that even, you know, it's like you know this. You live in Los Angeles, and there's guys who talk the way you sound right now, Mm -hmm. the way I sound right now. Mm -hmm. But when they're working, they talk like this. How are you? Right, right. Because that's like that's like the the the, that's like the uh, accent of of Hollywood right now. Uh We're gonna do a deal. Yeah, they don't really have any money, those guys anymore. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, the the, the record uh, the record industry has been decimated. Yeah, decimated. everything's been decimated. It's over. Yeah, record yeah. industry has been decimated by uh, by iTunes and the uh, the iPhone killed everything. It you did. Can make your own movie now with your with a two hundred dollar phone. Yeah, but still, most of you know you know there was that um, I had heard it prior, and then Patton Oswalt made some speech somewhere mm-hmm. that was then disseminated. What Patton make a speech? <laughs> He makes a lot of passive aggressive speeches. I, uh, I think he's fantastic, and I love him and yeah. everything he does. But it's funny. It's funny how many people listen to him as gospel. You know, the first time I met Patton, he was uh, uh, my driver and opening act in Virginia. So it's, Virginia, it's, where? Uh, we started out working for a guy named Chip Franklin around Alexandria, and ended up at the Roanoke Comedy Club in Roanoke, Virginia. It's oh, a nice. long time ago. Nice. But uh, he talked about how there is more movie-making technology in your phone than Orson Welles had when he made Citizen Kane. It's true. But, yeah, but he forgot the last part of the speech, which is, and by the way, you're not Orson Welles. That's funny. That Orson Welles could have made a flip chart. If he decided to make that snowman taking his hat off, flip chart used to do, where you you drew. Yeah, yeah. Orson Welles' 
snowman would have been more creative than almost anyone else's because he was Orson Welles. Well, that's Wells. the thing. It's just... It's, it's not that the technology makes people uh, more people great. It just finds that elusive kid that may not have had that uh, opportunity to make it to Los Angeles. That's true. That's but true. But in the meantime, we have to put up with all the other shit. There's a huge amount of it. There's a huge amount of it. YouTube is basically, it's basically uh, local theater is all it is. It's just, yeah, because anybody can have a YouTube channel. Yeah. You can monetize it, you know, in a, in a way. Monetize that, it. I, I, I. The, the thing that they haven't figured out is how to make you, uh, how to figure out how many people watch the whole video. Like, they, you, you click on it, it gets a view. Correct. But it doesn't mean I watched any more than just your advertisement. I think now it's, uh, they, they can actually tell if it, if it runs to the first advertisement. Mm. I think that's what they've got it down to. But you're right. But, you know, I got to be, I got to be frank with you. I don't spend a lot of time going, I'm going on a YouTube channel because I'm going to see something entertaining. No. Um, the only time I'll use YouTube is when I'm going to see something and I want some knowledge on it. Yeah. So, like, uh, there's actually good for comedy because nobody can go to a show, a comedy show now, and say, I didn't get what I, what I was expecting. That's true. That's true. I'll tell you what I use YouTube for, what it's incredibly... The only time I'll watch YouTube is when I have to fix something around the house. Oh, that's great, too, yeah. It's great. Yeah, that's so smart, yeah. 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 I had a, you just made me excited with that, by <laughs> the way. I watched a video not too long ago. I go, here's the redneck way to fix your faucet. All yeah. right, now we're going to fix the faucet. And what was cool about this video is it took about 20 minutes because every five minutes, I go, all right, now I'm going to take a little break. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. You put a break in the middle of it. Yeah, I had you to, know, go ahead. It is true, though. I use it for, for knowledge those things that I need to fix or I need to figure out something. Uh, I've used it for my iPhone, how to fix my iPhone, how to, you know, stuff like that. It's, it is actually pretty good. So you're a visual-based learner then? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. same here. Absolutely, same here. yeah, yeah. If I have to read it, I'm going to screw things up. I, I'll read novels or I'll read, uh, uh, I, I like history books. A lot of comics like history books, you know, uh, uh, historical things. Uh, but when it came to technical manuals, I would be totally lost. Right. Like, if they'd had YouTube videos for IKEA furniture in the 90s, mm-hmm. my my life would have been um, much... It would have been so lopsided? It calmer. Yeah, it, yeah, it would have been so lopsided. It wouldn't have to... All right, now I got to... There were actually IKEA things I had to take totally apart and put back together again because uh, I'd done it wrong. Cause, yeah, yeah. I, I've done a lot of that, put it together backwards. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's the left side, not the right side. I guess I should have read the whole instruction. Hey, let's get back to vinyl for a moment because um, it is it. it is a good show. It's a, you know, it's a very good show. Um, and I like it. I used to stay at the Chelsea all the time. You're familiar mm. with the yeah, Chelsea yeah. Hotel? So mm. uh, uh, it's kind of cool to see uh, the Chelsea, you know, during its heyday uh, what, or its whatever, whatever that was during that period of time. But I think I had um, overly large expectations because two of the executive producers, of course, being Martin Scorsese, Scorsese and Mick Jagger, mm-hmm. and uh, also Terrence Winter of uh, um, both Boardwalk Empire and uh, Sopranos fame. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, then I also read a, a review from Richard Hell. Remember Richard Hell, the mm-hmm. punk rocker? Yeah. And he hated the show. And I said, and I, I was telling my wife about it, I go, well, in fairness, they're talking about his time, mm-hmm. and it's not his view of his time. It's somebody else's view. It, it's like Vietnam veterans who would go watch Platoon right, right, yeah, and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it ain't what it was like. I like it. I like it. Um, my connection to the New York Dolls is the first ever TV thing I did was a show called uh, uh, Buster Poindexter's Happy Hour. <laughs> and it was, uh, and it was uh, yeah, Richard Johansson. Or Je- yeah, David yeah, Johansson. David yeah. Johansson. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Richard, whatever. 
Uh, yeah, he was. He played Boy, Buster Poindexter, and I, myself, and Arj Barker were the uh, we were the test show for it. So we didn't get on the air. We just did the test show. Just made it. One of, one of the things that um, you know, there's a million ways to uh, to make money in in our business. Um, um, and that's one of them where you're going up and doing test shows. Mm -hmm. you're, uh, uh, all the way down to the number of people I know that start out as stand-ins. You know, uh, uh, oh, it's cool because we got to do stand-up on it, and we got yeah. a, we got we got the tape from it, but they just didn't air it. We were we were the we were the test show that I think there was the third a third comic with us as well, but it was just uh, it was just you know the run through basically. So did the show? I don't go? know if they do test shows anymore. Yeah, I think it ran for two years or something. Really? Like that. Yeah, it was on. I want to say it was on A and E or Comedy Central or something. What is, so is that is that your music is uh, so so you like the show vinyl and what vinyl is starting to show supposedly is the birth of punk mm -hmm. that's and also the birth of uh, disco because that's what we saw in the what's well, my my favorite scene is from a couple of weeks ago when they put on the mute they they stop their dance they goes under to an underground dance yeah. party they're dancing he puts on the new album everybody the indigo stops. albums yeah and then there's like about a count of. 20 and all of a sudden uh -huh. everybody just goes nuts for it yeah but uh, that's it, just awesome now but here so it, as a metaphor and almost as a, uh, as art it was it was a really cool shot right but at the other hand as i'm watching i'm going how did they know to immediately go to those dance moves because the dance moves change demonstrably yeah, that's, from a, that's a very that's a that's very interesting that's yeah, yeah. so as a dream sequence as a music video uh, it, but as it moving the story along, I thought it was almost like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even click into those the, the dance yeah. moves. I just because they were kind of doing those moves before that with the other music too. Did you notice that? A little bit. So, how old are you? I am forty-four. Okay, forty-four. So I'm 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 sixty. Right. And I remember so being. You know more. No, 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 no. I I have actually forgotten so much that I actually now know less. Oh, that's awesome. okay. So um, you might want to meet my uncle. He's going through that as well. <laughs> I remember uh, being in my early 20s and going to my favorite uh, uh, kind of like uh, Allman Brothers style bar. And that's how I dressed. Mm -hmm. You know, I had the giant flares. I had the Fu Manchu mustache, the long hair, the flannel shirt. And that was nice. very, it was very hip, you know. It was uh -huh. very whipping post kind of look, you know. You're trying to look like Dwayne and Greg sort of thing, you know. And uh, I, I went to a bar one night and they were having a beer. And we didn't dance. We just kind of, you know, listened to the bands. Right. And a week later I went back in and the Bandstand was gone. There was a dance floor. There was a ball. Everybody in polyester just swinging each other around. And, right. And I was lost for like three or four years. I bought a leisure suit. I tried it. People go, did no. You, did you try to give it a try? I'm trying to think yeah. what happened. Uh, uh, I used to go listen to the, uh, to uh, I guess, hair metal because I, yeah. I was an 80s child. Sure. And then all of a sudden, I want to say that they just got rid of. Um, grunge destroyed yeah. it. Well, but I don't recall grunge coming into play. I just remember all of a sudden nobody had live bands anymore. Yeah, there was that. Economics played into it. Is that what it was? Yeah, a lot. You know, live bands are expensive. You know, yeah, you know, they went to the turn. You know, the DJ thing really took over. It's now DJ as artist. Right. That there, there was some of that around in the seventies, some of around in the eighties. But uh, so, but, but then all of a sudden, right around that time, became about ninety. I want to say it's about ninety ninety one. That this I remember going to the. I moved to Vancouver ninety ninety two ninety two something like around yeah ninety two. So and I all, all of a sudden I just remember them just disappearing like while I was there like sure. band, like the play, clubs closed down and I just didn't. Well, hair metal kind of it, it did. Uh, hair metal uh, experienced a lot of what doo wop did in the early sixties. There was doo wop, mm -hmm. and then the Beatles came along and uh, uh, killed it. Yeah, even uh, Ronnie Spector talked about it. She goes, "It was the greatest time," and then 
all of a sudden we couldn't get hired. She goes, right. she opened for the Beatles and loved the Beatles. She goes, we couldn't get hired. We were over. And I saw an interview with Lita Ford one time. Uh-huh. And she goes, grunge came along and we were just like, that was it. Right. We were done. I, it's, it's, it's very interesting, that whole thing. It's just, it's just when a style of music takes over and just kills the other style. Do you think we've seen that in comedy at all? Or does comedy, I mean... I think it, comedy goes up and comedy goes down. For some reason, it's really it's really strong right now. Comedy like people, it is. Uh, people go out and see shows. Um, the clubs are pretty busy. Uh, the things that they've screwed up. Uh, some of the clubs have given out free tickets. Yeah. And, and as soon as you give out something for free, you'll never get somebody to pay again. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting dilemma I think for the club owners um, because if you have a uh, a crowded market. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is is a is a. Uh, oh, Phoenix is insane. There's like 82 clubs here. Yeah, yeah. Like I have no idea how any of them stay afloat. Like it just doesn't seem like the population is big enough for. You le- you learn how to do it. It's just like you know you learn how to adjust. You know, like if, if the industry changed, x amount of people. If the industry if if uh, um, if the form then decreased. If there were 50 percent less clubs, like there was in 1993, all of a sudden about a third to 50 percent of the cl- uh, comedy clubs in America closed. Right. Boom. You know, I remember because it was like the Civil War where you were a general and then when it was over, you were a captain. Right. And I went from general to like buck private. Nice. <laughs> it was like. Took her down. Took yeah. her down hard. There were like four clubs in Oklahoma City and there's no people in Oklahoma City. Right. So. Uh, I don't think it's like that anymore. I think. Yeah. I think Phoenix is the only place that has this uh, deluge of clubs right now. Well, you've got, you know, you've got some uh, really strong players who are really passionate about what they do. Rick being uh, one of those. I, I think, I honestly, I think Rick's club isn't uh, the best looking club in America. Well, we, you know, we talk about that. Uh, you know, Rick comes in here on, on, a, on a somewhat regular basis. We're, we're, we're good friends with him. And I remember going up and visiting him. I didn't know him at the time when he was building the club. And so the the care it wasn't like some sort of the sometimes people are obsessive about things being right or kind of like a pain in the ass like mm-hmm. they're weird or unpleasant. Mm-hmm. He wasn't unpleasant. It was more of a passionate obsession. And uh, I've told people that when you go to Rick Bronson's club, you ever walk into a place you're you're with uh, uh, friends or you're with your girlfriend or wife and you just go let's go in here and check it out. And the minute you walk in, you go this is a cool place. Or right. the minute you walk in and go this is going to be weird. Here's a place where you walk in before if you don't know who the comics are. And you don't even, you know, you have no idea. You're just popping in for the hell of it. You walk in and go, we're going to have a good time here. It's very very nice, very comfortable. Um, You just feel like you're going into someplace classy, to be honest with you. And and stand-up hasn't always been the best in that kind of venue. But for some unknown reason, that really works there. You know what I? And one of the things that's cool about it, by the way, is it's in it's in it's a lot of people think it's in North Scottsdale. It's not. It's in Phoenix. For people that have some sort of fear of North Scottsdale, but it's it's kind of in that that area. Uh, but you could be someone. You could be from Mesa or Apache Junction or or uh, um, anywhere, and you go in. You can still go in there and have a good time. It's not like because it's in that neighborhood that the prices are super jacked or anything. No, the prices aren't bad. I actually was looking at the menu last night, and the prices weren't too bad. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and great food, by the way. Some of it's Canadian, though. I don't understand it. Uh, yes, the poutine with the fries and the gravy and the cheese occurred. Because you're, you're Canadian, correct? I grew up in Canada, yep. Yeah? Yep, 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 yep. I still hold the passport. My parents are still up there. All right, so I want to ask you a question I asked someone yesterday. We interviewed yesterday oh, a friend of mine. Please don't ask me No, no. the you, Declaration we, of Independence, because no, <laughs> I don't know what it's all about. Somebody <laughs> nailed me last week because I'm going to become a citizen 
in a year, and they're like, you might want to start studying. Uh, um, um, if you really want to be a citizen, just go no habla inglese and uh, dream. Espanol. Yeah, go dream, dream, dream. And he, yeah, tell him you want to be brought in through the Dream Act. In, into the Dream what? The dream, there's something called the Dream Act that President Obama signed. It's being fought. Uh. That allows people who have been here for a long time to be uh, able to I study. should actually be part of that. Yeah. Know. People say you're a dreamer, but you're uh, not the only one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> I, immigration right there. I'm going to ask you. You're a, not the only one. It's a Canadian question, but it won't make you uncomfortable. Okay. So let me preface it. Yesterday, we did an interview yes, with... Yes, my uh, sister's a whore. Je- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, right. Uh, Jeff Abagov. Jeff was uh, a producer on The Roseanne Show. Uh-huh. He was the executive producer of Grace Under Fire. Uh-huh. Uh, he worked in television for decades mm-hmm. at a very high end, and now he's written his first novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, zombies versus aliens versus vampires versus dinosaurs a novel mm-hmm. and and it's a really fun book he is a Canadian mm-hmm. and extremely funny mm-hmm. okay and it has been my experience that most people that I meet from Canada who decide to mm-hmm. to uh, work in this profession are uniquely funny mm-hmm. and so uh, for a while American humor was really being shaped by Canadians to a, a strong extent in the 70s with uh, Second City TV mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, everything that was coming out of Lauren Toronto. Green. Yeah. So why do you think it is that Canadians are able to come to the United States and do so well? What is it that Actually, gives you that perspective? I just talked about this this morning is that we have, uh, we have everywhere in the world has American pop culture. So, and Canada is actually got three different types of pop culture that hit it hard. And that is America's pop culture, England's pop culture, because we are a commonwealth. And then we're in the middle. So if you take us and we get hit by both of those things, we create our own pop culture, which is kind of an Im- uh, a, a breed of American English pop culture. So it's whereas people will find American people will find uh, English TV boring or annoying, uh, and English people Faulty will find <laughs> yeah, English people will find American TV uh, rude and loud. Uh, if you take that, everything on broadcast right you, now. Right, if you take that and you put Canada in the middle and you just push those things together, you've got something that both sides like. Ah, I like that. I like that. You know, that's 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 a unique answer. The answer that I've, I've gotten from some people and the one that I had come uh, concluded just empirically at one time was that when it's like I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, which has the Arch, mm-hmm. St. Louis Arch. So to us, they, they growing up in St. Louis, it's no big deal. Almost annoying it's no it's just there right. it's like the empire state building in new york no mm-hmm. one lives in new york goes let's go to the top of the empire state building someone visiting new york or someone visiting st louis these are curiosities that they're now looking at with fresh eyes mm-hmm. so i think sometimes canadians who are so close to us culturally language-wise etc and as you say uh, such a strong access of american culture come here and there you guys are actually seeing the same thing we're seeing only see it with fresh eyes and almost like pointing out to us the things that we're not seeing that are right in front of us sometime. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But I don't find Americans do that with Canada when they go up there. No, it's because we're arrogant. Yeah. Yeah, we're arrogant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what it is with you Canadians? Yeah. Hey, what's with this? Here's, here's your problem. <laughs> here's your problem. What's a loony? <laughs> yeah. It's something you throw at a stripper. <laughs> you have a um, uh, more... Um, and I, 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 would, I haven't been to Canada in about 20 or 30 years, or about 20, over 20 it's years. It's changed a bit. Has it changed? We've got a couple more stoplights. You do? Trudeau, but you're, you're there's st- a Trudeau back in power, so actually, yeah. it hasn't really changed. A, yeah. Uh, but will this one sleep with a Rolling Stone? 
Uh, this one might. <laughs> this one's. Isn't that thing that Margaret Trudeau supposedly? Margaret, oh, she did absolutely. She did. Slept yeah. with Mick Jagger. She was. Uh, she was a busy woman. She was a busy woman, and yeah. Pierre was busy. So he's like, "Go get it, Margaret." Let's get busy. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, if I remember from what people had told me. The uh, strip clubs in Canada were a bit more uh, uh, risque than American strip Well, clubs. I've been to American strip clubs, and some debauchery has happened at those places as well. Do so tell. I think strip clubs in general, if you actually actually kind of go to the right one, some stuff can happen. But uh, in, You go in, to the right hotel room, stuff can happen. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I just, I've seen some interesting things in Canada. I've seen some interesting things in America. In Canada, they do... Fully nude, you can drink there. Uh, three songs, Girls Gotta Be Naked by the third one. And on the fourth song... That's like a law? It's like a Canadian a, like law? A, like a, like a, on the fourth one, the a lot of places, they shower. They have showers there, and the girl will shower. No it's kidding. Serious. It's so it's hygienic. Yeah, it's. I have no idea. It's stupid because it's Canada, so they're freezing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's the middle of the winter. Poor girl's got to go up there and shower. So we lose a lot of our, our strippers to uh, pneumonia every year. <laughs> Uh, which a lot of people don't know about. <laughs> it's a tragedy. Yeah, where's where's I ti- saw a late night. Where's t- Tiger Belly? Oh, yeah. we lost her. She got cold. I saw a late night commercial great, one time. Great stripper name, Tiger it, Belly. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> coming to the stage, Tiger Belly. Tiger Belly. Wasn't there a commercial every year? Thousands of Canadian strippers die of pneumonia. There was, yeah. You can help, and it's they show a, pictures of them, kind of looking yeah, sad. It's, it's got what's her face? It's Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> These these strippers are freezing to death, not because they're, they're naked. And they're just dancing really slow. <laughs> but because mm, they're wet. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. This one is almost frozen Dance. solid. <laughs> you can help. Millions yeah. of strippers cannot Please, America. Eat. Yeah. Please, America. Go to Canada and save the strippers. <laughs> save You're the all strippers. busy trying to save the seals when, real fact, the strippers need to be saved. Yeah, yeah, they actually need those seal coats. The seals need to be taken down and then yeah. warm the strippers. Are you uh, concerned about, uh, have you been following the news, uh, Zika virus at all? Ah, uh, virus. virus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not planning on having kids, so I'm not really so worried about it. So it's not an issue. But Mandy, who uh, uh, the driver who we, uh, we see every week sometimes. She's more than a driver. She's more than a woman. She's somebody's mom. More than a woman to me. <laughs> she, by the way, was telling us before uh, uh, when you were, I think you were in the turlet. I took a t- little bit of tinkle tinkle. You call it the toilet or the turlet? I call it uh, I call it the urinal. The urinal, the commode. Which is weird because I poop in them. <laughs> she Stop. told us that she's having baby fever. Baby fever? Yeah, yeah. Jesus, I don't, she, even, she, I don't even know how we're gonna ride back. <laughs> <laughs> there were babies out in the lobby. I know, I know. Uh, there was babies out in the lobby. So she, she wanted to kidnap him. She she said that her uh, sounds like sounds, assert, like, assert, sounds like she might have the Amber Alert fever. <laughs> A certain region of her body, uh, up from the belly button, she said, began to tingle at the sound of babies. Oh, that's because I flicked her in the tits as we walked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I didn't. That's not baby. Ian, thing. the that's titty a flick flicker. of the titty. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be a concern to her. What about what? Uh, Zika. Are, are you planning on having children soon? She said she wants. Go ahead. I mean, I want more kids. 
She wants more kids. We were actually discussing because uh, I, I, I was. She was asking me questions about my wife, and she is single. So your I, wife single? No, my. Uh, <laughs> she is single. So um, my wife. Mandy uh, my, is my, single. Mandy's single. Oh, for, your wife is me. married. My wife is married to me, but sometimes she feels she's single. It's funny because my wife also like Mar- like Margaret Trudeau single. Um, I don't know. If, here's here's about my wife. My wife has a friend that she's trying to hook up. So my wife will actually approach guys and ask them when they're single and hit on them and then say do you like Asians at the end of the conversation because <laughs> her friend is Asian I'm like they, they, they must be so freaked out you like if you're asking if they're racist or not <laughs> so but we were talking we we're, we're, were talking in the car and she's single so if she's got the baby fever yeah you know Rob's I'm single sorry, Rob's single yeah. how old are you Oh, he he's is 26. ready to bat out some babies. <laughs> and, he, and he's never been to Brazil. He's never been to Brazil? So what are you saying? He's got a hairy butthole? <laughs> well, that's where... That's, that's wow. Where, <laughs> that's where Zika seems to be emanating from. Uh, I thought it was everywhere now. I thought it was but just everywhere There's now. a lot of places. You, you know what it can cause? I heard it's in America, yeah. It, it can cause... A, you know what birth defect it causes? It can make your baby look like uh, Beetlejuice from Howard Stern. Absolutely. So my theory is... because kind of cute. <laughs> 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 I actually seen a couple pictures. And I'm like, I don't know what the problem is. These they're babies lovable. are really cute. They're lovable. And then people are like, they got to grow up sometime. And then yeah. people, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I might think because the Republicans in Congress have blocked funding to fight Zika virus. What? Yeah, Republicans block something. Yes, just like they ever. No, they, they, they blocked uh, money to clean up uh, the lead pipes in Flint, Michigan yesterday. Oh, they did. Yeah, good yeah. for them. Oddly enough, a uh, Republican congressman from uh, senator from Utah. Put a hold on the money. Uh, he said, until you guys accept these pamphlets. <laughs> so my theory is that also the, the uh, circus sideshow lobby has a stranglehold on Republicans because with Zika virus, there would be a growth of people that, that would be one of their f- forms of employment. Oh. Yeah. It's a I have a feeling that there's going to be three parties by the end of the year. Well, at my age, you can only make two. That's so terrible. You mean that the, uh, the Republican Party is going to split? Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that strongly as well. I feel like you're going to have really right, and you're going to have moderate, and you're going to have liberal. You know, I don't know if we have even a real liberal party in this America, in, in this country any longer. And my uh, Bill Hicks used to do a great joke back in the day about uh, CNN's crossfire. Uh-huh. And, and they'd say, on the left, on the right. He goes, if they're going to be honest, it'd be on the right and on the far right. So it is true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I guess you're kind of right. I guess we need a fourth party. Canada has like 17 of them, though. You got to control how many parties you get. Canada yeah, well, gets you, out of control. You have a parliamentary system, though, where you're going to form coalitions, correct? Yeah. And yeah. we don't have that. We got, we got one size fits all, two sizes. What do you want? Yeah. You guys are like, we'll vote for the president, and then we've got these other underlings. Do you think Hillary's going to take the nomination? And I kind of, I kind of think so, and I kind of, I kind of think she needs to. I don't like. I honestly, I talked about this earlier. I don't enjoy the way I feel like Bernie talks about revolution, and then he talks down to her because she's a woman. Yeah. So if you're starting to start a revolution, not respecting the fact that she's a woman, and just calling her a. a uh, uh, a competitor instead of sometimes he brings up the fact that she like uh, too many times she's brought up the fact that she's a woman yeah and I don't I don't think that's at this stage of where we are as a society should matter no it shouldn't matter at all um I think it's interesting that a guy... It would be, be weird if he went against Obama and said well kept calling him black you know what I yeah. mean it's, it's the same thing 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It, it is without, uh, you know, in in you know, just in in uh, being totally open here. I'm a Hillary supporter. I voted for her in the primary in 2008, and I voted for her, uh, in the primary here in Arizona. Not that we know if anything counted in Arizona. We had 12 uh, polling booths, and I don't get any of it. I don't get like, it's just so annoying. I think the parties should nominate their leaders. I don't think that you, everybody should. You like in some of these places, anybody can vote. Yeah, I'm like, no, that's not the way. It should be the the people that run the parties should pick their pe- person that they want. Like they should have uh, like their uh, their big thing that they're having in July or in Cleveland or whatever. They yeah. should have that. But you should have to go there, and that's when you decide. <laughs> Like uh, certain 50 states come together and that's where they decide that it shouldn't be. I just feel like everything becomes such a money grab. Like I feel like this whole thing is just a political money grab for a year. Well, the money, the men, the money it always finds its way in. I mean, what you see with the uh, general election primaries was really born of a time when uh, what was considered backroom politics where a bunch of party bosses would get together at a convention and they would decide who the nominee was. There was no, there were no primary. There were no primaries in the 1800s or right. early 1900s. It was decided at a convention. People who were involved in politics, all the way down from aldermen up to United States mm-hmm. senators, uh, became part of uh, the convention and they chose the nominee, which is where you used to see multiple ballots uh, at right. conventions. But don't you think that's better? Like, don't you think that if you want to be involved in that situation, you'll make the effort to get involved in in that situation rather than? Then At this point in my life, I agree with you. When I was younger, I was on the other side. I was, we should be able to be, a, this is an important thing, and we should have a voice in it, and it shouldn't be, I was a... But that, that, but, but yeah, I, yeah, that, no. that opinion, isn't, isn't that what the election is? Well, you know what? You're absolutely right. We, we run into this at, at the very basic level. Tomorrow at 8 a.m., I'll be up uh, bright-eyed and shiny-faced to go to an emergency homeowner association meeting being called Saturday at 8 a.m. because they think no one will show up at Saturday. Think somebody's having a party Friday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're pushing through some sort of crime-free amendment in the CCRs which will govern even more stringently who you can rent or sell your house to. So that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, although in most master plan communities, that's part of your rules. Uh, but they are going to have an extremely stringent. Um, uh, it sounds uh, like it's going to be racist. Well, you know, I was talking with my wife about that exactly today. That the, what, it, what the what the uh, uh, what will be the consequence? What appears to be the unintended consequence, but what is the intended consequence? Is a reduction in people who may have. Uh, look, we already know statistically. In the United States, that you're more likely to be uh, charged with a crime and convicted of a crime if you are not white. Mm-hmm. We know that to be true. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of our which prison is great because I'm white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I got to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm against it, but it works for me. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's. What we're not going to reverse this, are we? <laughs> like, oh, we're not going to be suddenly guilty. Okay, then what? everything's fine. We no. just we just have to make it sound like we want to reverse right, right. it without actually. That's funny. It. So <laughs> that's what liberalism is all about. So. Uh, uh, so it could cause a reduction uh, or difficulty for, for uh, people who maybe got busted with you know, a bag of weed when they were 20 and now they're 40 and they're trying to buy a house. Oh, no, you did six months in prison for possession of marijuana. So I've seen uh, Craig Ferguson's new show on the History Channel. Yeah. Do, do you watch it at all? No, I haven't, but I love Craig he Ferguson. Said something, uh, he said something that was really interesting. He said they make drugs into the devil. Yeah. Right. But in the actual fact, it's not the devil. It is just something. It's just a powder 
that yeah. is used for it's like saying the electricity is the devil because as well as heating your house it kills people I will say this. One time while on drugs, I thought the devil was talking to me through electricity. I can believe that. <laughs> I can actually believe it. I've had conversations like that before as well. But I, I've never thought of it like that. It's just, it's, they, we've really got to take out the fact that it's not the drugs that are the devil. And you, uh, all everything that's illegal is in something that's legal. Like, uh, there's, like Oxycontin's got uh, basically heroin in it. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's certain things that have cocaine in it, right? Uh, and I, I may be talking out my butt right now, but I'm pretty sure that the reason that these things are brought up are are for pain like they try to help people live better lives and then they don't help people live better lives heroin was considered a miracle drug because you had wars where you had hospitals full of people just screaming right it's unimaginable right now but they found that someone who was in agonizing unimaginable pain when shot with heroin would go i feel okay right. it didn't cure you didn't grow their leg back or even right. like the, so it started as a miracle drug that then became abused well People use it for brain injuries now, being yeah. hurt and like wanting to go party and whatever reason people become addicted to drugs. I I was I've I've tried I've tried a lot of things and I'm lucky that I never became addicted to anything. I don't I don't judge anybody that's become addicted to anything, but it's it's definitely I I go to I go to different towns every week and there's certain towns where people are just just taken by rx drugs you know like it's, it's just and which it's is, actually the biggest problem right now so they end up on the street drugs because it ends up being cheaper for them Much and cheaper. easier for, for them to get what but the reason they're on those drugs is because of the rx drugs and it's not and it's not who you think it's going to be it's like young kids and athletes and stuff like that this, you know, one of the things about the nfl banning pot blows my mind up i'm like you're gonna make a guy just destroy his body and then say you can't do you're gonna give him rx drugs but you're not gonna let him do marijuana like i just i don't whatever i i, I just i don't know i was like Ugh. well the, the, the t- i i understand the two sides of the coin and uh i tried everything and got addicted to everything for many oh, years good for you. so yeah it was good it was good and, put an effort in yeah and uh but you went through you started with uh, recreational drugs. You didn't start with RX drugs. Yeah, we started recreational. Look, I was the '60s, and uh, and there were Harvard professors and my favorite bands going. Things are better when you do this, and it made sense. Right. And as I, but you're not a kid that was running and 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 pulled pulled them uh, pulled like Torres Achilles or something like yeah. that, and they give them hey a bunch of these these pills and they've never done anything and they're starting off with something that's 10 times more powerful than anything you've ever done without going to, i've said in many a 12-step meeting where we've had people in the room who ended up in the room because of dental surgery because they were people who were never addicted to anything but got vicodin and evil would, yeah and it would continue to i did vicodin in sobriety uh one time i did a had a root canal and it was so excruciating painful i go i can't take this pain I filled the prescription, and I even called people and said, this is what I'm going to do. I took one. I woke up the next morning, and I'm I'm walking on my tiptoes through the house. I'm in a wonderful mood. And then I go, what the hell is going on? I go, oh, this is the total absence of pain. That's what's going on. 
the things are still wrong. My knee still is out. Right, my right. back is still, all these things, but this is the absence of pain. And then I stopped immediately because I go, now I see what happens. I, I had enough self-awareness. A lot of people don't. They get hooked on Vicodin. They get hooked on Oxycontin. And you're right. Then they end up doing uh, the harder drug, the illegal drugs, because they're cheaper. And then, boom, you've got a stripper in Canada. There you go. Named Tiger Belly. Tiger Belly. Tiger Belly, who's dying of pneumonia right now because you won't contribute. Those are her stretch marks on her tummy. Tiger Belly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a brief break, and when we do, we'll come back and we'll wrap up and tell people how they can come out and see uh, the very funny Ian Bag. And we talked about it uh, off mic, but I want to tell people, uh, was that on mic or off when we talked about when we first met him? Uh, I think it was off. We will talk about when we first met you. Uh, you were listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition, on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. Is the song over? I'm I'm, ma- I'm making the song over. I've just um, it is now. the song is over. The song is over. It, we switched over to another um, another mode, and I didn't get to hear it. What song were we playing? Oh. Do you even know what the hell was on? In the God of the Vida, baby. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 Paint it black. Paint it black. That was uh, oh. that, that uh, Margaret Trudeau's favorite band. Mm. <laughs> hey, we're gonna uh, wrap things up uh, uh, here uh, with uh, Ian Bag. Uh, you're listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. Uh, I keep announcing we're gonna be back on Terrestrial Radio. Uh, we'll be announcing in the next couple of weeks when uh, uh, that will take place uh, as well. But uh, we are moving towards that, so you have multiple ways to access us. Ian yeah. is at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy, mm-hmm. 5350 mm-hmm. East High Street. Mm. Uh, in what is formerly City North. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find out all about him mm. and the show mm-hmm. by going to houseofcomedy.net or houseofcomedy.net. You're there for two shows tonight. Two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow, one show on Sunday. One Boom, show on Sunday. Do you like, um, uh, they have a high stage there. Do you prefer a high stage or the a low stage? The only thing about that club that I don't like, I don't like the high stage. Too yeah? High. Yep. Some it's guys love it and like. some guys, um, you do a lot of, because you do a lot of interaction with the crowd. And I don't like coming from a place of power. I like to be part of the audience. Yeah. I feel like a tall stage brings you a place of, of, to a place of power. And also, it's a, not a, it's a very uh, shallow stage as well, so I can't get further back, which usually on a taller stage lets you... You're a big fella, too. Mm-hmm. You like to move around. Five eight. You're 5'8". You're 5'8"? <laughs> we were talking about this earlier. Rob is six. Fo- how tall are you, Rob? Six four, six five. He's six four. And how tall? He's a tall man. How tall I, are you? I didn't know. I was a six four at some point. I don't know if I'm still six four. Okay. So let me ask you this: Were you uh, as uh, when you were in junior high, high school, whatever you call you call it in Canada? Um, Learning. Yeah. <laughs> were you were you short and had your growth spurt late, or were you uh, a tall kid? The eighth grade is when I hit my growth yeah. spurt. I See? came in. Darcy Wadley uh, beat me up on my first day of grade eight. She was taller than me. Darcy Waddley is five foot three. Yeah. Uh, probably still five foot three. And she beat me up that first day, and then oh, it was actually the ninth grade, and then the next year I came back, and I was much taller. See, because you carry yourself like like a big man, I, I, not an intimidating I'm a big, but, big yeah. man. So, <laughs> Rob, I was talking about this. He had his growth spurt in his senior two year in high ago. school. Yeah, about two weeks ago. <laughs> that's what it was. And there's a couple other comics All that, that are fr- Rich Scheidner and Craig Shoemaker. You know these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're both friends of mine. I've had conversations with where they both are tall guys mm-hmm. who had their growth spurt around junior year or senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And I say they always they seem to have the aura of a small guy. Mm. Where I had my growth spurt when I was like 11 and then never grew any taller. So I'm often amazed, like when I stand next to someone taller than me, that they are actually taller than you me. You probably got vaccinated. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> they got to me. They got to me. Is that they Jenny? They tried Mac- to make you healthy, but they were trying to make you short. If Those <laughs> mothers. If only Jenny would have been there for me. Oh. Call Jenny. Uh. What do you make of that? Her and what is that? There's a reason Playboy doesn't have sound. Because <laughs> I haven't, I haven't whacked off to her since she started talking. <laughs> and that, of course, was her her whole reason for. That's how she made her dough. Yeah. Was the young fellers going hot damn? That's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in, I'm curious. She's probably got a shelf life of, that's coming to an end too, right? So. Are you expecting her soon to really like turn all of her attention to helping uh, lost animals? Mm, Pamela Anderson. Pamela Anderson, Bridget Bardot. Mm-hmm. There's something where. Bridget Bardot was so, like I. I yeah, I, I look at those photos when she was young. It's just insane. Yeah, she was something Last else. night, one of the waitresses yeah. looks like my friend's daughter, who's 12, but all grown up. Hmm. So I took a picture and sent him, and I said, hey, Rowan, <laughs> here's a picture of Rowan all grown up. Weird. He yeah. hasn't responded. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's all like, that's not what my daughter looks like, or, oh, I got to get my daughter out of here. So does the waitress then, is she a, a, a comely lass? She's a very good-looking girl. Yeah? I never thought of Rowan as good-looking at all. That's why I was like, uh, uh, well, she's she's. Do you have well, kids? Do you have no. kids? Okay. Because I've talked with people about this, about the firewall. You know, I, I remember talking to somebody one time, uh, uh, this is years ago, an older guy, and he hated, he was against Playboy, and he goes, he goes, would you want your daughter to be in Playboy? I go, no, but those girls aren't my daughter. Right. And I go, they're also not my wife. I think of my wife differently than I do my daughter, you know. And uh, uh, guys who don't have that firewall seem to be the ones with the real problem. That I can look at someone and go, I am attracted to that person, you know. So are you saying I don't have a firewall? or I, do I don't know. I'm asking you. Do you have a firewall? Um, you don't have kids. I think you do have a firewall because you never looked at this guy's daughter in that way. Well, she's so young. She's like, that's she's the firewall. A, but she's eleven. I, she, I I still think of her as a little girl, and then I see this full-grown woman, and I'm like, oh, it's Rowan. Yeah, as a full-grown woman, I just wanted to show him the future. That's all I want. And he's probably he's probably gonna yeah. like. I gotta get her in the basement. She can't go out ever again. It sounds but like you do have the firewall, and he doesn't. He, uh, I think I think I'm a good person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Wait. like to tease my friends that because I have. I don't have kids, but I have those friends that have daughters that are coming into the age of being women, uh-huh. and it's really funny to me. I'm like, oh, your girl, your girls are hot. That's congratulations. <laughs> Good for you. And then they just look at you, what? And I'm like, I'm married. You're fine, but I'm just saying, yeah. well, your girls are hot. Oh, they're dating that kid there. Huh? <laughs> Good luck to you. That's always that's always a weird moment. I remember telling my daughter. First time she could have friends over the house, and I told the boy that was over there I thought she liked, and I went, uh, said, I'm going to leave for a while. You know, I had, a, I had an apartment up in the hills in L.A., and uh, I said, I'm going to leave for a while. I go, uh, I might be back 15 minutes, might be back in three hours. That's awesome. And I go, uh, you guys have a good time. I go, if I walk back in and I see something I don't like, and I point at the balcony, I go, I'm throwing you off that. Well, now enjoy yeah. yourself. So you have to be able to do well, that you know, sort of thing. You know what's great about that? It was great about that? He was a teenager, so he only needed two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, pops. I'm in. I'm out. Bang a bing. You're a good when, luck. Whenever I, ha- I, 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 I'll say to my friend, oh, or somebody, it's in the crowd. They say they have a daughter or something yeah. like that. It's home, and I go, oh, the boyfriend's probably six inches in the door right now. 
I like saying that. I like saying that. <laughs> seeing the look no, in your eyes. He's just in the door. He's just he's just going through the door with his boner. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> right through the keyhole and out. Yep. Yeah, he's just running home scared too. Um, by the way, uh, Mandy, who drove you, has baby fever, and uh, we should take a picture of her and put her up on the website and go. Anybody wants to help her out with this? Um, Jeez, that'll be interesting. You'll get a lot of responses. We 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 get a bullet because she like, yeah, oh, Mandy's yeah. got a lot of babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor girl. We want to point that out that if you see Mandy, that she has baby fever, not jungle fever, but baby fever. Maybe jungle baby fever. Jungle a jungle baby fever. She jungle likes, baby fever. She's putting both of those together. Speaking of babies, you're. Uh, we, uh, we talked about this uh, off mic. Uh, Ian is part of uh, our personal history. Shirley and I. That's right. I got your daughter pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was that teenager that almost yeah. got thrown off the. That's the yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah, you were just a young man. That's funny. You guys all like firewall, and then I did that joke, and everybody's like, um, "Yeah, let's wrap this up." <laughs> <laughs> you did. You were involved with a daughter, but unbeknownst to you at the time, I had no idea. Yeah, we saw you at a show. No longer will I do that thing with the masks. W Hotel. Uh, around seven years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it was you and Brent Ernst and Sebastian. Brent Ernst, uh, Sebastian, and uh, I did a show for Heather Williams. Williams, and, very cool person. And we had at the W Hotel. It was a very fun show, and they were going to do more of them, but they never did, right? No, they didn't. Um, uh, they did not. Did it just not go well? They, yeah, there's um. Somebody asked me one time. They told me they want to be a promoter, mm-hmm. you know, because I've been doing a lot of promoting for years. And I go, so how do I start? I go, take borrow all the money you can, you know, max out all your credit cards, go to the bank. I said, then take all the money you got, okay, and then sell a bunch of shit in your house, take all that money, and then go out in the backyard and dig a hole, dig a hole, shit on that money, mm-hmm. pee on that money, set it on fire and bury it. And if you can go to bed without puking. You can be a promoter. That's right. That's yeah. exactly what you do. Is you just get loans from other people and see how they do. Yeah. See now. Yeah. And, and I don't do that. That's it's, how most promoters work. Yeah. No. And I, I never did. I. You know. I just. Uh, I had people come to me uh, eight, nine years ago and go. Yeah, Whoop. It was, go ahead. It was, it was, it was, there was like about seven years ago. There, there was a, uh, uh, there was a vacuum of comedy here. And they were, and they were trying to fill it. Mm-hmm. And and they did for a while, but it became. You know what it is? You can have three profitable shows because your show was packed. It was packed. Yeah, and then you have that was a good one, show too. You have one unprofitable show, and that can wipe you out if you don't have uh, either you don't have the willingness or desire, or you don't have the funds. Well, the problem is if if you're only making money off the tickets. Yeah, it's difficult. You don't sell enough tickets. You need to be able to take some of the money in from the alcohol. That's the deal you have to work. The alcohol and our food, mm-hmm. our merch. Mm-hmm. Merch is so. But do you have T-shirts? Do you have mm-hmm. little wind-up toys? I sell the merch. I'm about to do a hat. Uh, I do a T-shirt. Uh, I do two different T-shirts, and I have a logo, and I give up away a postcard. Well, wow, that's 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 quite a bit. CD. Yeah. Yeah, but at the show, it's uh, T-shirts, and I give I give away postcards because I want people to. Because I know, as a person, as a human, walking out of a place, unless somebody's famous, uh, I forget a name right away. Yeah. So. I get my postcard. We promoted a band uh, a few weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. and we did we did co- uh, pretty cool with them. But uh, what was the band called? Uh, it was called Honey Girl. It's the um, it's a, a singer, a female singer, and the lead guitarist from the Gin Blossoms. Oh, nice. So, and, and that night, by the way, the drummer from the Gin Blossoms because he was coming in the the, uh, nice. the regular drummer. Was, so we promoted them. But what was interesting about her was she was giving away downloads. She wasn't doing CDs. She had uh-huh. then moved it where she had this little, like, uh, uh, I've, I've thought about it. My next one, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I might do the case with a download in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the technology keeps moving. 
It keeps yeah. moving. Yeah, but it keeps moving. Not only did you do that show, we were watching that show. We saw you. Oh, yeah. We saw Brett. We never got a chance to see Sebastian mm-hmm. because right around that time, we got a phone call that uh, my wife's daughter mm-hmm. was giving birth to the first grandchild in our family. Hold on. Did you say my wife's daughter? Well, my... W- yeah, we're... we're yeah, well, this is our second marriage. Yeah, this is the okay. one. This is the one that works. You made it sound like you're angry at her. No, no. well, I might. My be. wife's daughter because she went for a <laughs> no, no. car and trip. I can see. She had baby fever. Went down to the mall, <laughs> got herself some googly googly juice, and now there she has a daughter. I consider them my. Um, it's weird. It's like Selma, the the child in question. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, Shirley and I weren't married at the time. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, and I was. Concerned, I didn't want to. Her ex-husband is actually then the grandfather, and even though I felt like the grandpa, mm-hmm. I was marrying. I was going to marry into it. And I go, I go. I, it would bother me if there was another guy. My daughter had a kid, and this guy's going, "I'm grandpa," and I go, "Cause I'm the grandfather." Right. So I said, "I don't want to cause any problem, family." And I was joking. I go, "I want the grandkids to call me Ace." So now we're married, and I, I'm 100% their grandpa. But I got these little kids, a six-year-old and a four-year-old. Over now, I was going, Grandpa Ace! That's Grandpa fine. Ace! So, the Grandpa didn't go away, but I'm Ace. Do they screw it up? They call you Grandpa Ass a lot? Yeah, they do. Uh, well, the, the little boy, Sullivan, just said the other day to call me Uncle Grandpa. Oh. You're Uncle Grandpa! <laughs> that's, a, that's a cartoon, isn't it? Uncle Grandpa? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Or Uncle Cracker. I don't know. It's something. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, my friend who's opening up for me this week, Dave Williamson, his youngest son has decided to call him Dave. <laughs> 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 he said he just one day just like, hey Dave. <laughs> the kid's only like nine or something like that, so it's really funny. Of all the names that your son, Dave, you know Tommy, mm-hmm. Frank, but Dave, it just sounds so innocuous. Hey Dave. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like he's just trying to get a hold of Letterman. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I call I, I, I about fourteen, twelve to fourteen. I started calling my dad Gary because was that his name? Yeah. Okay. Good. I called him. I called him. I called him Gary, and one of my uncles flipped out, and he was a big dick. And I love that he flipped out. So yeah. I started calling my dad Gary around him. Yeah. And then suddenly it just turned, and now I, I very rarely call my dad Dad. I call him Gary. <laughs> is so, your dad okay with that? Oh, he's fine. My dad is so mellow. My dad's the most mellow person ever. Yeah. Yeah. Marijuana? Uh, I just think oblivious. <laughs> <laughs> Does he know you do comedy? Nope. Does he know you? you I do some again? jokes about him. He's like, "God damn it! I know you're. I know you're in town because I went home and did a, a joke." And he said, "About two weeks later, he didn't come to the show. He was sick, so he didn't come to the show." And about two weeks later, he said, "God damn it! I know you talked about me." <laughs> and I said, "What are you talking about? When you're here a couple weeks ago, I know you talked about me because God damn it, I went to NW for coffee today and they started talking about my one ball." <laughs> So, did your dad, father have... My dad has one ball. One ball. Yeah. Was he born that way, or is it... Uh, you know what? I think he was born that way, but I don't... One You're day, a big guy. He must have been a powerful ball. It was a very, very powerful ball. My dad's got one sack, and uh, it's... It was very... Int- he told us in a restaurant. He just told... Like, in the middle of a story, <laughs> just told uh, told us that he had one ball. And I just remember I always like... How old were you? I was probably about 18. 18? Yeah, and it was just it was the wrong time to tell a kid that he got one ball. I'm like, why the fuck are you telling me this? I could have lived without this. I've and he had no reason. He had no reason. It just just blurted it out? Yeah, yeah, just kind of just kind of came out. and I, th- I think he may have said, oh, I thought you already knew. <laughs> How I, would you know? Well, you know, family yeah. rumors get around. 
<laughs> you so know. you're sitting there and you go past the salt and go, yeah, I got one ball. Yeah. Uh, basically, we're in a Dairy Queen. Who wants a, who wants a chocolate dip? I've got one ball. <laughs> so. What, what other family members were there? Um, my sister and my mom. Just yeah. in the middle of a conversation. Your mom knew. She wasn't surprised by this, I'm <laughs> assuming. <laughs> mom was like, ah, I thought the slapping was weird. <laughs> I always seem to come from the left, not from both sides. <laughs> How long have they been married? Uh, 46 years, 47 years. So assuming that your your mother had never been with anybody else prior to your father, she may not well, have known. Oh. What? This is a very interesting story. At okay. my wedding a couple of years, five years ago, my mom was all liquored up, and I overheard a conversation to her talking to a friend of mine about an evening she spent with Wayne Newton. An evening with she Wayne said, Newton? And she said, that's how I ended up spending the evening and having breakfast with Wayne Newton. So, I don't know if that means we had sex or we hung out with Wayne Newton and we all had breakfast together, but I was just like... Is your mother a polite woman? My mom was... Yeah, very polite woman, but my mom... No, my mom's a little... She's... Not my cool. mom was a little bit of a party animal. Like I've seen, I've seen the photo. I'm like, who the hell wears those kind of pants? My mom's Australian, and her and my aunt went on a worldwide tour. My mom never went back to Australia, ended up meeting my dad. The, the way I understand it of how she met my dad was she met another guy and wanted a free meal so she said <laughs> she said it, he had the same last name she said your uh, cousin Eddie told me I should come over for dinner and he, my dad was like okay and they ended up together somehow so my mom my mom and I know my co- a couple of my female cousins from Australia I'm pretty sure gypsies <laughs> <laughs> just the way they do things I'm like how the fuck did Roma. you pull that off yeah yeah so you know, I, I maybe I'm making a great leap in my mind here, but now that you mention this, I'm looking at you, and uh, you look a little bit like Wayne I've Newton. I've heard that before, and but I'm definitely my father, my father's sing, dad. Sing, I look exactly. Sing a little Donka Shane. Donka Shane. But <laughs> my, uh, my, I, when I heard Joy that, and pain. When I, when I heard that story, my dad was on the other side of the room, and I looked over at fucking hazy, easy-eating hors d'oeuvres fucking <laughs> in his first ever tuxedo. Yeah, I'm yawning. I'm like, I'm looking over there. I'm like, so I got Gary's Auto Supply, and we could have had Wayne Newton. Which one do you think would have helped this fucking comedy career out a little bit harder? Uh, Gary's Auto Supply or fucking... You could be doing those Rat Pack shows in Vegas right now. Could I you know, you could be doing I a could be. So actually, I'm Wayne Newton, like Frank Sinatra that. Jr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Wayne. So, man, uh, you live in Los Angeles, right? Long Beach, California. Okay, uh, Long Beach. I know. Do you live uh, down in uh, like uh, the Strand area there? Yeah, or? I live uh, near Belmont Shores. I live, Belmont Shores. Yeah, I live. Uh, I live on the uh, peninsula. My uh, brother lived Don't in Belmont Shores for many years. Uh, you know, the uh, former governor of uh, California, George Dumagin, used to live. Right there's there. a lot of people down there. There's yeah. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. Great area. Yankee Doodles, is it still open? Uh, actually, they're turning that into a gym. They're turning it into they're a gym? Tearing it apart and putting it really into a gym. You know who else is down there? i seen a, a documentary about... Um, who is the guy? Uh, Andy? Is it Andy Williams? or Andy Williams? What does Andy Williams look like? A sh- uh, like he used to write all the songs. He wrote a lot of songs. No, he sang a lot of songs. No, okay. I think at... Barry Manwell? No, it's, it's a Williams. It's a, it's a Williams. Roger. Uh, yeah, I know. he. Sh- Paul Williams. Paul, Paul Williams. Williams. Is Paul Williams still alive? I, yeah. I think it's the documentary. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Well, I seen the documentary and I was like looking at him like he lives down here. Yeah. Yeah, so... He, it's a great place to live. Yeah, it's fantastic. I actually started doing comedy down there. I mean, back in the 80s, there was a and hotel... Yankee Doodles. 
No, the Golden Sales. The Golden Sales. I don't know. Yeah, it might be gone as well. But a guy, um, uh, Danny Moore, used to run a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday paying gig. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It was listen. It was the mid '80s. The comedy was hot, and it was Sunday, Sunday Monday, Monday, Tuesday. You could come in off the road and make some money in town. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's a great area. Um, tell me if you agree with this, though. Speaking of the, the fact that Wayne Newton may be your father. Um, I think if you live in Los Angeles, now you're a married man, so this mm-hmm. wouldn't, this yep, wouldn't yep, affect yep, you, yep, 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 yep. that by law, any woman that you think about getting serious with in Los Angeles mm-hmm. must reveal to you if she ever had sex with Polly Shore. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, you probably know by the herpes on her <laughs> hip. <laughs> um, Would that affect your relationship? If you met somebody yeah, there's, go, no, I, there's no way. Uh, yeah, there's absolutely no way I'd sleep with a girl that found Polly Shore. I moved, to, I moved to L.A. in the 70s, and I didn't realize it was by the third time a woman said this to me and made the connection. I'm there in 78, and it was three women in a row who said to me, I thought I should just let you know that at one time I was with Jim. And I kept going, who's this Jim? And it was Jim Morrison. He died in 70, but these were, you know. That's people, awesome. In their mid or late 20s. That's different. Yeah, it's cool. Jim yeah. Morrison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd accept that. Yeah. Like if somebody said they were with uh, with with, uh, with with Gary Shandling, I wouldn't be depressed. No, no. You might Polly, think Polly maybe Shore. there's some sort of reverse chromosome yeah. thing that can help you out. Yeah. Yeah. He was a funny, funny guy. He's very funny. Funny guy. Yeah. Very funny. Rich Scheidner put up a, an attribute to him talking about a joke of his that I just thought was hilarious where... They're talking about girlfriends, and all of a sudden, he said, Gary Shandling dropped his head. He goes, my girlfriend, man. He goes, last night, we're in bed. And she goes, hey, I said no thumb in the butt. And I said, hey, it's my thumb, and it's my butt. That's funny. <laughs> That's, you know. That's funny. <laughs> you know what? Uh, somebody ch- uh, somebody put up uh, his first ever Tonight Show set. Yeah. And it's funny how times have changed. It was like seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You're so lucky, smooth. You're lucky if you get f- four now. Yeah. On, on, yeah, on a late show, and it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those were uh, all right. So uh, we've established some things here. We've let people know about uh, yes. the first time I saw you <laughs> that um, that we're going to have a new law concerning Polly Shore in Los Angeles. That right. uh, you are the son of Wayne Newton. It's really sad if girls have slept with Polly Shore now in Los Angeles. You really kind of judge them like, now. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there was a time he could pull it off. He had a couple yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. And now just like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Do you, work, sun, huh? do you work at the comedy store? Uh, very rarely. Very rarely, yeah. I can it's tell never. if I say that to someone who works at the comedy store a lot, they just kind of go, <laughs> but <laughs> It's actually, apparently, it's back on an upswing. People are starting Very hot to right now, yeah. Now, so. Yeah, a lot of great guys work, uh, going yeah. down there and, and working Which means out. it'll be sold and turned into condos. Yeah. Well, it was that's a supper club at one time. Right. That's Frank Sinatra punched a guy out there once. I heard there's been a lot of things happening. A lot of things happened in the old days when uh, when nightclubs were ran by the people who ran nightclubs. Yeah. Yeah, those guys never went it out of business. Sold. I heard it can't be sold because the bodies in the basement will have to be dug up. That's, That's what I've heard. That there's ghosts in the place. Not ghosts. I heard that the, they've buried bodies, they buried bodies. In there, so they'll find bones uh, when they dig it up. Yeah. yeah. It was the, if you ever watching an old movie and you see, um, like they'll show like a montage of nightclub neon signs, you see Ciro's. Uh-huh. That was Ciro's. Uh-huh. It was Ciro's back in the uh, 40s, 50s, 60s. Back and in the good times. Yeah. Back in the day. Back in the good times when we fight the Japanese in those square heads. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, damn it! We're gonna fight them. We're gonna win. We're gonna win by land, air, and sea, and we're gonna win, man. Because we've uh, we've had a great interview. I appreciate you so much coming Thank in, staying with Thank us for, uh, for the me. entire hour. Yes, anytime. Ian Bag, ladies and gentlemen, Yay. <clears throat> and the extremely fertile Mandy um, are here in the studio with us. You've been listening to this American Podcast Comedy Edition. You can see Ian all weekend at Rick Brunson's House of Comedy. For information about that show, go to houseofcomedy.net. This is ComedySchoolsRadio.com. We'll be back in just a couple of moments.